The following is part two of a two-part podcast, so if you're interested in understanding what's going on, make sure that you're caught up on the previous part. Do you believe and in the unions? problem I have with yours? The problem I have with yours is that every time I nail you on this point that you retreat from, right? What that point? we depend, that our social uh, democratic type policies, our welfare states depend on exploitation of the developing world. You 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 leave the point and you go back to some analogy Wait, about coercion or nonsense. So to be perfectly to, to be perfectly to be perfectly clear, that point I'm not too capable of debunking because I'm not entirely familiar. You've provided me research. I'll take the time to look at it after stream. Um, but it remains the case that all of these countries do it anyway. So you could say then that they don't depend on it. They just choose to do it because it's more economically efficient for their own industry, right. which, that's, and right. as that's long capitalism. as they, as long as it remains economically efficient for them to do it, they're going to keep right. doing it. So it doesn't yeah. seem like this is a substantive criticism of my position. No, either way. This is a very substantive criticism of your position. And you're taking your one line basically... out of a conversation that I had with one other guy. Like that right. wasn't even an right. argument that I put forward. When I listed right. my initial arguments, I didn't say, and I believe social democracies are all inherently exploitative. Like it wasn't a central right. tenant. I'm way more interested in your this... definition of coercion. This has to be central, because if you believe that that's the case, then basically democracy, democratic reform is sort of a, a nonsense goal. It's doomed no. from the start. We're all going to How be monsters any way we slice it, because our welfare states will depend on the destruction of the, the exploitation of the third market world. Instead of, being something, instead of being something that we can build in tandem with the developing world through the mutual beneficial relationship that of global trade. That is an trade. absurd characterization of my position. So because I believe that market economies exploit uh, an underclass of workers, which historically is incredibly empirically um, verifiable, I must therefore believe that democracy is a spook and that there's no point to global trade because no. it's all e – I genuinely don't understand what ridiculous views you're trying to ascribe to me here, but they certainly you're have nothing to do with what that I the welfare state is fundamentally – that we can only have it at the expense of the developing world, and that is the point that I am disputing here. No. That is the point you were making when you say that social democracy depends fundamentally on the – or on the exploitation so of the developing is, world, right? So, I'm sorry. It depends, social, on, it depends on brutalizing an underclass. Is and social, the fact is, is social democracy not. capitalism? Uh, it is a kind of it, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like so, it, it is an element of it. It is a variant of it. So yes. more welfare programs and, and things like that, sure. And arc, is capitalism a market economy? Yeah. Okay. And I believe market economies fundamentally exploit economic underclasses. Yeah. So social democracies yeah, and, also would. Yeah. And, and when you I, say I that, when you say that with respect to like, when you, with understand. respect to foreign trade, right? It sounds to me like you're saying that we cannot build uh, a, a, a welfare state, a prosperous society, unless we simultaneously do harm to the developing world. When mm. in fact, we can both trade and benefit simultaneously while building so, up our own so uh, welfare argument, states. And indeed, this is what we've done for the last 40 years. So your argument trade, is that rising by, standards of living. So your argument okay. is that by implication, when mm -hmm. I said that even social democracies fall into this, this trap, this pitfall, that I'm therefore indicating that there's no point in improvement within the democratic system because anything that we arrive at would also be exploitative. That's it's fundamentally destructive of other people. To say, for example, to broaden the class of people, right, who enjoy a modern life, right, uh, through the welfare Wait, just, state. It was a yes or no, because I had a follow-up. To do that, right, to do that while also insisting that that standard of living depends on doing harm to the developing world. Yeah, that's a terrible argument. How could we ever build democracy? How could we ever build a welfare state if that's what I it requires? You're, you're that we connecting do a bunch people? of views that I don't think are necessarily related. I also believe that the existence of a government necessarily entails the exploitation or at very least the subservience of a broad population. But I still advocate for the existence and the bettering of a government. So if I criticize market economies for their propensity to exploit foreign workers, or even that they rely on such a thing, what I'm not, I'm not saying there's no point democracy has failed. What I'm attempting to say, and I think what I've said many times on stream and mm -hmm. in videos and everywhere, is that I think that these systems should be improved, not to perfection, should there ever be such a thing, but as much as we're capable of improving it. And I think that since you seem to agree that you don't like power imbalances in trade relations, that you and I would have a similar goal in promoting economic autonomy for the developing world. 
It depends, I suppose, on what you mean by autonomy for the developing world. If you mean like autarky, if that's what you mean by independence, then no, I think that seems to be where it's been tried. Why usually would I destructive. Mean autarky? Why would when that... you say because you use a word like independence? Independence, I mean, like they're not entirely yeah. dependent on sweatshops that are owned by foreign companies to survive. Huh? Independence, like like the United States, where we have a lot yeah. of power to engage in trade relationships on our own terms right. because we're sure. an incredibly wealthy and powerful country. I want them to be strong too. Like, but why autarky? Why would that be what you go to? Look, when you talk about economic independence, right? When you talk about our standards of living coming directly at the expense of theirs, I mean, that's a problem. So if that's not what you mean, if that's not what you believe in, then that's a good thing, well, we would right? benefit that from seems them developing, to mean, no? Sure, we benefit, but, but they benefit too. I mean, the idea that global trade fundamentally does not benefit both parties, I mean, again, apart from examples around the edges where, for example, some kind of uh, trade deals imposed by force, you know, uh, 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 colonialism, things like that, I mean, generally it benefits both parties. That's why parties engage in it. And that's why it's a good thing that we should encourage. And that's why it helps us, uh, uh, helps both sides, right? But helps the country that is developing, uh, uh, use uh, uh, lower costs for labor to attract resources from the uh, developing world, to attract technical expertise and technical capital and industrial capital and things like that. Uh, and it helps us with cheaper products and improve our standard of living. Right. It helps everybody. But there is, so there is sort thing. of a- One moment, um, one, mo one moment. Okay, so I want you to wrap this up and then I wanted to move on to another section I don't think was covered enough. And it yes. was one of the things that was brought up by both of you, which hasn't been talked about. Then I'd like, just to, just say, to, then I'd like yeah. to just say a final thing. It may well be the case that these countries have benefited from their engagement with us. We don't have access to an AU machine. We can't peer into an alternate universe where the entirety of Southeast Asia forms some sort of protectionist trade block and see what happened then. All I can say is that there is strong economic evidence that there are types of policies these countries can in, uh, 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 impose on themselves which seem to lead to outcomes which are beneficial to them but less beneficial for us. Because we want from them things which they may not want from themselves. But because we're stronger, we tend to get our way. And I think it would be nice if we lived in a world where they were a little more capable of refusing sure. a good deal. And I would not uh, I would not argue with the idea that I would love for other people to have higher standards of living and that uh, they would have uh, you know more bargaining power as a result of perhaps needing to trade less. But I think that's also something that you only get through development and development is something driven by global trade. I think that's a good I'm thing. And in terms trade. of the idea of what a protectionist economic block would look like, we know what the protectionist economic block would look like. We've seen those in history. For example, the the uh, the socialist countries in the 20th century that formed Comic-Con and, and traded primarily with each other, but not, the, not, not but they you know, to any great degree with the rest of the world. Wait, do you that's deny the, that protectionism can have selective benefits for the economies of developing countries? I don't have I literature deny on that, that it on has hand. General, yeah, I deny that it has general benefits. I don't deny that there are exceptions around the edges, but I would deny that, generally speaking, a protectionist-driven policy. Like, for example, when you brought up the United States in the 19th century, protectionism in the United States uh, may have here and there helped. Generally speaking, protectionism in the United States kept the United States poor than it would have otherwise been. So I wouldn't, accept, I wouldn't accept the argument that there are times in history, for example, where we want a lot of protectionism. Right. I would accept the idea that occasionally here and there, there might be an well, argument for it that. That isn't something I have on speaking, my dog, but I can look speaking, more. Speaking about history, yes. I wanted to talk about history for a little moment. So both of you brought up contentious points about the other when it comes to this. One, uh, Vosh brought up to Bastiat the idea that in the history of the world, capitalism continues to have certain problems. And in order to strive to solve these issues, we need to go away from capitalism. Bastiat brought up multiple examples of socialist type systems failing in, and leading to what he would consider disaster. So when you look at history, what does history make the case for when it comes to an economic system going forward? It, simply put, history makes a case for looking at policies rather than broad ideological descriptors. If you looked at some capitalist countries, you could come to some very unfavorable and disrepresentative conclusions. And if you look at, I'll bite the bullet, almost every socialist country in history, you would come to some very, very negative conclusions about the ability for these countries to do well for their citizenry. What I'm looking to do is policy-wise. I talk about policy. I talk about international trade. I talk about um, multilateral trade agreements. I talk about unions. I talk about labor standards. And I talk about worker cooperatives. I like talking about things that have empirical backing because I've found that, unfortunately, the past 20 years of the American left has mostly been canterwheeling about ideological superiority, which I think is very, very dumb. It's entirely conceivable that the worst real socialist country, not whatever the fuck they were doing in the Soviet Union, but real socialist country, would be far worse than an okay capitalist country. We must argue not on titles, but rather on policy. 
Um, and the policies that I advocate for, aside from the ones that we've already talked about here, largely have to do with decommodification and worker cooperatives. Yeah, and I guess I would say that I would agree, generally speaking, with the idea that we should consider policies over, you know, over, uh, you know, we're saying uh, purely systems. But what I don't understand about what you're saying is, yeah, sure, I agree, for example, that workers should be free to form cooperatives. Workers should be free to, uh, you know, democratize, uh, you know, engage in, in uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, forming democratic workplaces and things like that. Uh, but what I don't understand is, one, um, why you would, you know, say something like, I focus on policies, when generally speaking, all the policies we've talked about have been implemented successfully in capitalistic, you know, what we would review or what we would regard as capitalistic countries, and really not in, in socialistic countries, right? So these seem like, again, if we're talking about capitalism versus socialism, these are policies that have worked, you know, at their best in capitalist countries, you know, whether we're talking about uh, decommodification, the sense of what I think you mean, right, uh, removing uh, uh, somebody's dependence uh, from, you know, market forces with respect to certain industries, you know, healthcare, mm -hmm. you know, being one primary example, right? I mean, the best healthcare systems in the world certainly uh, are in, you know, really developed countries like Taiwan, Germany, Scandinavia, things like that. Um, but yet these countries still fundamentally operate on a capitalistic framework that provides them with the resources that they can then spend benefiting people's lives. Whereas the examples that uh, I think, uh, you know, when you talk about workplace democracy, I guess the real question to me is whether you think it's something that's good to encourage voluntarily or whether you think it's something that should in the final analysis here and there eventually be imposed by force. Is it imposing by force for the citizens of a country to vote on a policy? And for that policy yes, to be absolutely could be. I mean, if it's for example something that is uh, imposed, uh, you know, like uh, uh, segregation, you know, some kind of authoritarian policy against a vulnerable minority, sure, it might be done democratically, but it's still a force. Uh, the fact that we impose force after a vote doesn't make it anything less, uh, you know, any less forceful. Doesn't make it any less coercive. It's still force. Sure. Then, um, then so yes, yeah, I do believe in... itself is you know. Then I do believe in democracy. Yes. And then the only thing that I would take issue with is not the force by which it's used, rather, but the actual outcomes of whatever it is that's being forced. I certainly don't have an issue with governments using their uh, ability to legislate to change societies. I mean, if we didn't believe in that, then you wouldn't have private property rights to defend any of the investments you hold. Hypothetical, the capitalist, I don't know if you, yeah. And I wouldn't, I don't know, whatever it is I do these days. Um, so we obviously, the, the issue to me isn't here by force. I would like it if people would voluntarily engage in the promotion of like worker cooperatives. Um, and that's what I do. I talk about them and I advocate sure. for them and I get emails from time to time from people saying, Hey, um, you know, you inspired me. We're opening a brewery. We're opening a library. We're doing X and Y and Godspeed to all of them. Um, I think that worker cooperatives are a more ethical form of economic organization. And there's a really strong body of evidence to suggest that they're more efficient too in a lot of really critical ways not just lovey-dovey socialist hippy dippy hippy dippy critical ways but also in more fundamental ways like uh, their ability to resist price shocks or their likelihood to survive the first few years of a um of an economic downturn that sort of thing um so i push for these things now down the line i would love it i would absolutely love it if we could get some kind of state promotion of these ideas like for example subsidies or maybe banks could be encouraged to give preferable uh, loan interest <laughs> rates to uh worker cooperatives because right now it's the opposite that's the case a lot of banks are unwilling to loan to worker cooperatives because they're kind of considered like an outlandish system even though mathematically they tend to pay back their returns much more reliably. So that's what I'm looking to do. And if in the long term they become popular enough that we start getting state uh -huh. mandates on that, I think that's lovely. But if it's to happen, it should be from the people for the people, not because the Vosh party has achieved power and I want to flex. Okay. Well, so I guess there are a few things I'd say about that. First of all, I would acknowledge that there are some, you know, there are some uh, uh, cooperatives seem to have some benefits uh, uh, over traditional firms, primarily related to their ability to, uh, uh, to uh, withstand uh, pressures to fire employees. Instead of doing that, they might reduce wages. Uh, they might do other things to uh, refrain from firing employees. But they do seem to make it uh, a little easier for an employee to keep their job, as opposed to doing, uh, you know, as opposed to uh, a traditional firm which might prioritize something else. So that's one thing you can say for cooperatives. I have not seen the empirical basis for the claim that they are generally more efficient, but I have seen a basis for the claim that they are sometimes, in certain circumstances, perhaps more efficient. 
right? Sometimes I've seen the argument also made that they are less efficient. That seems to be circumstantial, depends on the industry, depends on the particular co-op. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, while I would say I could understand that sometimes they are uh, empirically, demonstrably better for workers in the sense of, you know, making it easier to keep your job. And sometimes they're empirically, demonstrably worse, for example, in, uh, in the sense of uh, uh, sometimes having lower wages, uh, things like that. I think the real issue is, to me, I guess how you want to get to them. Because if you believe that they should be uh, voluntarily, 100%, yeah, sure, voluntary, uh, I'm, I have no objection to that. In that sense, a worker cooperative to me is just another form of a capitalist enterprise. Sure, it's done, you know, it's, uh, it's managers are elected democratically, perhaps even all the decisions of production are done democratically. At the end of the day, it still operates in a capitalist framework. It still engages and is subject to the same kinds of uh, trade relationships as any other firm. So I've got no problem with that. What I have a problem with is, I suppose, what you mean by state promotion. Now, if you mean, perhaps we might say, well, you know, tax credit here and there. You know, I mean, sure, we do that with uh, different corporate forms already. I couldn't give you a real consistent argument as to why that would be right or wrong outside of circumstance. What I would say, though, is it seems like there's got to be a point where you are saying, I mean, it, it seems this way. And again, if I'm wrong, I would love to be wrong here. But what it seems to be, the case is you say at some time down the line, then we get a state mandate. Hey, that's good to me. And that is the problem. Because once you take these worker cooperatives and they go from being basically a naturally beneficial uh, part of certain industries in, in certain times and places, uh, and you say, this is the default, this is the standard. Well, apart from being, I would argue, a seizure of property in the form of the corporation, the other issue is that in those economies where people try to do this, and the primary example seems to be Yugoslavia, the advantages of the worker cooperative form seem to dissipate because a lot of things don't seem to lend themselves to a worker cooperative. For example, finance capital in such a situation, in such an economy. I can't understand how finance capital, investment capital would be distributed. And indeed, in Yugoslavia, the answer was it was done democratic or it was done uh, uh, through the government, right? Uh, but the, the government ultimately you know, found itself in the role of picking winners and losers. The government had the same economic calculation problem that all the other socialist countries had in terms of being able to decide how to invest best when you take on the role of all investment. And uh, in, in the long run, it, it shows politically favored enterprises rather than efficient enterprises and the system uh, ground, to, ground to a halt. So that, to me, is the problem with worker cooperatives. If your belief is they should all be voluntary, then I think that's fine. I think that's great. Ronald Reagan apparently was down for voluntary worker cooperatives, right? So I don't know who's opposition, who's, who's opposing worker cooperatives in that sense. But if you, are, if you are saying that they should eventually, you know, here, there, eventually we force them, that's a problem. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm okay with people voting for such a policy. It wouldn't be by referendum, but if people start to push for um, mandatory worker cooperatives and those are the candidates, the candidates that get elected, I mean, I don't see any issue with that. Now, what you're saying, so there were, there were two points right here. One of them was a moral argument. And one of them was an argument from practicality. The argument from practicality is that when you take a look at Yugoslavia, there were elements of the market socialist state which were not optimal which I agree with, though there were, to be fair, there were some parts of it that were pretty impressive, but there were other parts that were cripplingly ineffective. I would believe, I would like to believe that America is not Yugoslavia, that we are, well, I don't know how much faith I should have in the people of this country. Exceptional, but, perhaps. Well, exceptional, I live here, I don't know. It depends on how optimistic I'm feeling every day. But... The issue with that is that, A, again, we don't know what problems in Yugoslavia were caused by the elements of the policies they enacted and which were caused by other forces <clears throat> which were mired in the entirety of that country. I mean, they were an autocracy, for God's sake. And second of all, um, I wouldn't advocate for any kind of blanket promotion of worker cooperatives if any evidence was found that it would destroy certain markets. I'm not pursuing this for like a strictly ideological reason. Economic efficiency is a... I like my iPhones, okay? And I think that we all do. I think socialists do too, much as they pretend not to. I want an efficient economy because an efficient economy means we have more resource wealth to spread around and make everyone happy. Um, sure. If it turns out there are industries where worker cooperatives will not function appropriately, then I would hope they find another solution. We're never going to know how these actually pan out in a first world wealthy country until we start, you know, fooling around a little bit at the margins, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. That might take a little bit of selective government pressure, like, again, those subsidies or tax credits, but we'll see what we can do. If it turns out there's a broad benefit to it, then hell yeah, absolutely. You talk about the seizure of property. I don't 
particularly care about that in concept, because to me, this is an extension of democracy. To me, the uh, government um, democratizing these workplaces is comparable, not identical, but comparable to the um, dissolution of slavery in the sense that the government is stepping in and they're saying, all right, I get that, quote, unquote, this is your property, but I know vibe check failed. And, yeah. you know, we do what we can with that. Now, I do believe that Democratic workplaces are a morally important issue. I believe that there are significant benefits to one's personal health to live in or work in an environment where they are a part of it. I mean, I'd make the same arguments there that I make for democratic sure. countries. But again, things have to be tempered with time and experience. So hopefully that's something we can reach out for and explore with time, you know? Oh, so I, I mean, I get that idea of, again, you know, with tax credits and things like that, that basically we already do with different business forms. Sure. Yeah. What I don't get, though, is I guess there are two points you made here. One, the seizure of property. Uh, I, I recognize, again, that you're approaching this from a socialist framework where basically private property has no you know, intrinsic value. Um, but I, what I don't understand is why you would draw a comparison there with slavery and a worker co-op. In one case, I'm saying that, the co that a corporation right, that is forcibly democratized by the government, uh, that is a seizure of property. The slavery example, on the other hand, is property that you can't own property, another person, right? That's, well, that's, that's something different here. Whereas a corporation is just a legal entity, right? What is it, or it, is the not comparison, property? The comparison seems very inopposite. And I don't think, you know, the idea that what is and is not property, you know, I think people are born fundamentally with human rights. Yeah, I don't disagree uh, with that. Human rights, I mean, mean that, you know, you can't, you know, you can't have property in another person. They but can't have property in you. What society, so I don't, I don't think that's really a fair, fair point. But beyond what that, society you, does or you doesn't made a point that suggests is, to me, <laughs> you made a point to me that suggests to me that, that in some circumstances, I suppose none of this morality stuff matters because as long as we have an election, it's okay. As long as we have a referendum, it's okay. As long as it's done democratically, it's okay. And I want to know how far are you willing to go on? Wait, 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 hold, wait, wait, hold on. Okay, hold on. So yeah. first of all, to that latter point, I don't think mm -hmm. anything is okay just because it's democratic. I just like for my changes to society, the ones that I want to be done democratically. I think that I think that if an autocrat were to snap their fingers and make worker cooperatives more prominent, that would also lead to a utilitarian benefit in society. But I don't want to change society that way. I don't think that has good long-term benefits. I don't think that's structurally effective. So it, nothing is good just because it goes through democracy, but that's the preferred way for things to get done, right? And as for the slavery property thing, what now I do believe that humans have inviolate um, personal rights, but um, what we treat as property is 100% up to the state. Property exists only insofar as one has a certificate and police will come and help you if somebody else takes it. And whether or not we agree with that now, um, at the time they did think that slaves could be property. And obviously I think that was wrong. And I think, and I do genuinely believe this, heart of hearts, that a hundred years from now, the idea that a person could own a facility in which they do not work, but in which others work, that to me will seem, again, not to the same extent. Yeah. Slavery is obviously much worse, but in a comparable way, a similar yeah. kind of, wow, we really let people get away with that? There is a fundamental absurdity to the process if you think about it for long enough. The idea that some individuals, I guess the easiest example would be the church, not the Church of England, sorry, the, um, the monarchy. They, they own these, these vast swaths of land. And the concept of ownership in that respect is entirely arbitrary. There's just these sections of a planet that belong to them, even though they will never visit them, they will never touch them or smell the air above them. We, these things matter only insofar as we say they matter. And I think that a system where ownership has more to do with one's personal relationship to a property than who bought it first would be a better one. Yeah, and I, I don't see why it would be better in an empirical sense. Again, societies have tried to do that. I acknowledge you're not arguing for those societies, but again, empirically speaking, it seems like societies have tried to move away from that sort of relationship to other sorts of property relationships have led to worse outcomes, generally speaking. So empirically, I don't see the support for that. I can see the emotional argument that you might be making that, you know, it feels unfair. You know, it may feel unjust, but I mean, you know, the way it feels compared no, I think, to the I think it is unjust. It's not a feeling argument. Seems, it seems irrelevant in the sense that it is unjust. And basically you're saying that people making contracts with one another, which is ultimately what a company is, a series of contracts that people make with one another, that that's fundamentally unjust, that it's fundamentally unfair. And again, I don't acknowledge wait, wait, that. Wait, 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 When did I say that making contracts is fundamentally unjust? That's employment. That's a workplace. Wait, somebody wait, agrees lots, to trade resources for somebody's things. labor. You're doing it again. This yeah. is reductive 
to absurdity. Um, just because I think some types of contracts are coercive or exploitative, just because I think some labor relations produce bad human outcomes, doesn't mean that I am principally opposed to the idea of a contract. A market socialist country would still have employees. Though every employee would be an owner in their own right, they would still be an employee, responsible and beholden to the collective interests of the firm they work at. And they would still have contracts. I'm not opposed to this. I'm just, I want better power relations. I want equal power relations, or at least as close to equal as we can reasonably get. The anarchist dream is the dissolution of unjust hierarchy. And while getting to the extreme on that point can get you really far from where we are today. I think that simple steps in that direction now, steps like the ones I'm advocating for here, are practical and honestly not even particularly disruptive to the way we live. I mean, the change from feudalism to capitalism was a bloody, bloody mess, and it left quite a few people dead with black lung, and, you know, we, mistakes were made. Uh, I think the changes that I advocate for are generally pretty underhand, not, sorry, not underhanded, understated and reasonable. Um, it depends on the changes you're talking about, Bosch. I mean, again, but I I've guess said I them here. Say that. Yeah, the changes you're talking about in some senses, right? First of all, I like I like the mistakes were made. I like that. That's that's it's a good way to sum up the industrial revolution. the The idea that um that that uh, that you know uh, okay sure hey you know uh, let's try and incentivize people to do something. Yeah, that's one thing. That's something that we do in in our existing economy. And depending how we on how we design those incentives and how we respond to the results of those incentives, sometimes that can be a good thing. Sure. Yeah. The thing I object to is you brushing off so casually the idea that look, you know, if we just seize the enterprise and we forcibly democratize it. It's not going to be a big deal. I mean, it's not going to really, really change. I don't think that's a fair characterization of how I've described this. Slow well, what did you just say? Slow here, methodical I mean, steps towards the normalization of worker cooperatives, adopt along with states making like selective um, uh, policies that can promote the development of them. And then if they become popular enough, we make a move towards democratizing the whole process. I don't yeah. the summarizing that as, uh, you know, we're going to force them. We're going to have the state force cooperatives. I think that's a ridiculous characterization of my argument. If you pass the democracy referendum and I'm running my corporation and I say, I'm not going to democratize it. What are you going to do? What, what happened when OSHA was like created? If, if they, yeah, if they pass that, if they yeah. pass that and you're like, I'm not going to stop stacking a ladder on ladder yeah. on ladder to get up at the top of the warehouse. Sure. Like, yeah. okay. The go government does this all the time. Yeah. When you live in yeah. a country, you should know this. You're a sure. property guy. When you live in a country, when you pay taxes to that country, you do so with the implicit acknowledgement that you are beholden to the laws of that country. Yeah. And especially with regards to property rights, which are entirely dependent on the, our conceptualization yeah. of them is entirely a legal framework. Presently. So how have I mischaracterized this then? I mean, I'm I'm saying the government is forcing you to do this the you same way you force with OSHA, OSHA standards, right? No, I'm not saying no, I'm not saying I disagree with the use of force categorically. Okay, right? force exists, right? It, it can be used for good causes and for bad causes, right? Just, and what I'm saying here is, you're saying that if I refuse the democratization referendum, you will use the police to force me to democratize my enterprise, right? Yeah, that's how law works. Like yeah, and laws. so why would you why would you have an objection? Because, I'm sorry, because I'm trying to be careful with my language here. Because earlier you didn't think that like a teacher fucking a college student was coercion, okay. but now you're saying it's yeah. forced to pass laws. Now well, it is if forced. You use, it if, is, if you use the police to beat somebody in the face if they refuse to comply with the law, that's force, is it not? It's very clear. Well, I doubt a person would be beaten in the face for not complying with what are essentially huh. labor laws. But yeah, I, I mean, sure. So do I support legal ways of making the world better in my eyes through my arguments? Yes, of course I do. But everybody believes this. We believe this with regards to um, uh, protected classes, the idea that you can no longer fire a person for uh, their ethnicity or gender, race or whatever, million categories, uh, characteristics. And if you don't adhere to those laws, and yeah. if you defy the government, then you will eventually, well, in that case, well, hold on, actually, you don't get arrested for these things. Usually there's a, it's a civil thing, but there are consequences as a product of the state's ability to decide what is or is not just. But we do this with a ton of like social progress. I don't think, I think that referring to it as force while accurate in a slim way is a little bit reductive. Does that make sense? Okay. No, it is not at all reductive because at the end of the day, I think it's important to recognize the reality of state power. And you would do this in just about any other context, I would think. To say that, to deny that this is force when the state uses violence to compel you to make a decision no, as a result it just, of No, it sounds like a conservative argument where I would say something like, I think the government is 
is okay to tell corporations that they can't deny service to a person because they're black. And then the conservative no. would say, ah, so you're okay with using force to silence my free speech. No. Now, technically, no. wait, wait, technically, that's true. What I said is technically me using the force of the state to prevent another person from what would otherwise be a lawful exercise of their business rights. But I think it's reductive because it's trying to characterize my argument as authoritarian, which I believe it's anything but. I'm advocating for democracy here. The fact that you impose something that is authoritarian upon somebody by an election that they uh, perhaps had the right to vote in, but ultimately lost, the fact that there was an election over it doesn't make the ultimate decision uh, less authoritarian taking their property, right? Perhaps even as is sometimes done in democratic societies, implementing a system of the law that it followed its logical conclusion to lead to somebody losing their life, the death penalty, right? Perhaps it is done democratically, but the ultimate result is still fundamentally authoritarian, all right? So I, I don't think law, that it is just okay, that, sure, if law, that, that when you do something democratically, it is fundamentally, uh, fundamentally better, right? Democracy does not uh, on its own, carry any moral value, right? We have democracy as a tool for achieving ends, greater freedom, greater individual protection for okay, for But then for if we agree, society, if we agree by the system, democracy why are you in and of itself. And I'm first of all, I'm impugning you because one, you were calling all the things under the sun coercion, but you you had a hang up over calling the idea of seizing somebody's property. By, I stand by my by force, right? <laughs> by my, now, and, uh, and that's definition. fine. But again, if you're going to duck out of right the use the idea that seizure of property is force, no, I mean, hold it's on, wait, wait, no, no. so to be very clear, I'm not backing out of that. I don't know if you're listening to me. I've said multiple times that I acknowledge that that is a a term that could be applied here. What my issue with was the characterization, the implication. And you've already said multiple times that you don't have an issue with force being used by the government through democratic means inherently. So I don't know why we're even talking about this. You're impugning me for using a system that you're comfortable using. Yeah. Yeah, here's wait, the wait, wait. Before, before we continue, uh, we've been doing this for about an hour and 30 minutes. So I want to let you all know we have 30 minutes left until the debate is over. So if okay. there's any points you have in your back pocket, any trump cards, any of you got pocket sand in there you're going to throw out there. Okay. Uh, you got like a, like a, like some brass knucks in your back, in your back pocket somewhere. Now is the time to do it. You got 30 minutes left and I'm going to go get water. So for the next one minute, you got to say nice things about each other to calm down before we continue. Okay. 100%. Okay. 100%. No, spent the week, the two weeks piping this up. Spent the two weeks piping this up. I mean, come on. I like your new shirt. I saw. I saw. I think I saw you were selling a bunch of them too. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm. uh, I'm selling out. I'm a capitalist shill now. But yeah, it says politics is dumb, but what the fuck does it say? But very very important. important. Yes, that's true. Here's what I suppose frustrates me about the way you're describing democracy and the way that it seems to me, I mean, you're calling my use of the word force. I think it's acknowledging reality. The reason this frustrates me is thus. I believe that the state should be limited through certain anti-democratic means, a constitution, right? A these, series of laws. These were not right? just you guys saying nice things to each other. We were. Right? We, no, we, we did, yeah, we did, we did say nice things. We did. He said my hair was nice. I said his shirt was nice. Yeah. Wow, that's all. I mean, okay, well. Dylan. Dylan, to be fair, I mean, you pumped this up. I mean, this is a hippy dippy championship. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but you could have been like, I love that you're an amazing liar and grifter. You could have said something like that. Oh, uh, Vosh and I have had some really pleasant conversations. We're trying to give you a good show, and I think we're doing a good job. Right? One hundred percent. You may continue. So, so look, the the reason this bothers me is I don't view democracy as an unmitigated good. I think democracy in the political sense absolutely is a good thing, especially compared to the alternative. Right, and yet. It is not always a good thing, right? It can be used to exploit uh, uh, and to oppress in ways that are so fundamentally obvious. You know, the history of the United States, for example, involves a majority that had democratic voting rights using its power uh, to to uh, uh, you know exercise state power to oppress people. Police in the United yeah, I States. I don't think democracy is inherently right. I don't think democracy always begets positive outcomes. There was a hypothetical that was brought up. I don't remember the context of it. I don't think it was in my community, but the idea was if you have a worker cooperative, no government, no state, whatever, just a worker cooperative, uh, what would prevent the majority white workers from mistreating or firing the black workers? It could well be the case that a democratic majority could, could legitimately produce a racist outcome. I'm not in democracy. I'm not for democracy like... In its totality, I recognize there are bad outcomes. I mean, we live in a country where 70 or so million Americans think Trump won the past election. I know democracy doesn't always beget good outcomes. He could have well won that last one. But um, I I just so if we don't take an if we don't have an issue with the means here, 
then I don't know why we're discussing the means. The means to me, this is just the best way to do a thing. I, I, I mean, better this than any other method, certainly, right? Yeah, and I, yeah, I fundamentally reject that notion. I think that voluntary implementation of co-ops is one thing. The implementation by force, by the state, is a problem, not only because of the seizure of property I mentioned, not only because of the, uh, of the empirical results of, of the closest example we have to this being done in the world uh, you know, as, it, as it exists, but also because I think that the wide-scale seizure of property by the government of the United States or by state governments or whichever government will be doing this is itself such a transgression on liberty that it would really, I think, lead to a government that feels like it can trample all over people's individual rights. I mean, such a seizure would not only violate the Constitution, but, but this is the argument that people made about protected classes, too, because that yeah, but, was the government imposing laws which restricted the mm, ability for private citizens right. to use their private property in the way that they wanted. Yeah, but we have sure. to recognize, and I'll tell you, the world would not be a better place right now if businesses were given the opportunity to opt in to abiding mm -hmm. by our protected class sure. statutes. Like we recognize Absolutely. in this case, force is necessary because these are ills that can't be dispelled without, and, and frankly, after dispelling these ills, we'll find as we have that basically no harm was done. You know, sure, we may have treaded on the private yeah, individual I property rights of these yeah. people, but. I don't concede that at all, first of all. The idea that seizing, uh, seizing, no, no, the idea that seizing all the property would do harm. Now, if you're saying the protected classes do no harm, yeah, sure, I agree. No, 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 wait, no, I, wait, wait, don't jump ahead of me. Uh, there would be undeniable uh, yeah. negative outcomes to a mass seizure of property, which is why I'm trying to be very careful with my advocacy here. What about a system by which incredibly preferential treatment is given to cooperatives and the government says after X year, all new businesses, all new LLCs, yeah. whatever, are going to be formed with like a cooperative requirement. Right, yeah, that was done, something like that was done in Yugoslavia where they said uh, new businesses must be socially owned, right? Must be sort of worker type cooperative enterprises. And what that did was suppress the rate of creation of new businesses. I mean, that okay. was really the problem that right. you get out of but, that. But the, you the get point... less innovation, you get less productivity, you get more preference for existing actors, for existing systems, and that is empirically beyond the seizure of property, which again, I'm not conceding that that is is Well, that is wouldn't be seizure of property, right? That would just be a, a, if you only restrict. Point, uh, okay, yeah, you're right. In, in that sense, that wouldn't be a seizure of property so much as a limitation to do with your property, I suppose, what but you see I, fit. Uh, but that's why I need that exploratory period. This is the problem that I yeah. have. All the worker cooperatives the world around are these yeah. either, we have tiny bistros, owned by 14 people, three of whom are related, or you have megacorps like Mondragon, which are barely even cooperatives. They're, they're scarcely cooperatives, you know? They, they, they toe the line. My problem yeah. is that we don't have enough data. And unfortunately, I'm not talking about some little petty civic law here. I'm talking about a fundamental mm -hmm. restructuring of how yeah. we think about private property. Sure. I need data, and I can't yeah. just get it from little businesses. I need it from companies with 50, 500, 5,000 yeah. people, and the the only way that I can get that is by promoting these ideas. Now, I want to make it very clear that absolutely no federal mandate should take place with regard to any of these issues until long after we have arrived at conclusions which could support the best federal action. I would never advocate for just plugging your nose and diving on in. If we found ways to do this... Um, in, in minimally disruptive or in highly effective ways, or even if we just had to take a half measure, maybe only businesses under a certain size, or maybe this or that, maybe minimal ownership, where it's not total co-op, but it's like everyone gets minimal input on select issues, something like that. I'm flexible. I'm open. I'm here for it. I love the discourse, but I can't get any of it unless we move in the direction. I want to walk the road, you know? Gosh, <clears throat> look, I, I agree that there isn't, uh, there isn't uh, uh, the data to implement this change by force. The thing well, that gets now. me, though, we'll get the there. thing that gets me, though, is you propose uh, to do a sort of uh, experimentation through, to, through perhaps some limited seizures, right? Like, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. No, no, no. There's like a tax and stuff. Here. There's a, that stuff I have no objection to. I don't even care if it works, right? I mean, that's something that we can think about down the line. But that's something, like, very different. From the seizure of property, well, and that this can't is why be done matters. until we. That can't be done this until is, we know that it would work. Gosh, it wouldn't matter fundamentally. So wait, wait, uh, so wait. That we have two if different. It work, if it would work, we could therefore take everybody's businesses because one, well, we, we know. Wait, hold on. It, we wait, 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 hold, wait, hold on. What was done didn't work. The government. And you're saying hold on. The government point, wouldn't be taking them. Me. Wait, the the government wouldn't be taking them. Just to be clear, right? Be democratizing. 
You know, when you say democratizing them, right? You are saying they must be taken from the owners and given to oh, yeah, uh, sure. worker owners. Taken That's from one entity to others, but not for the government. Property. I'm not saying it's not seizure of property. Yeah. Just when you say yeah. take the property, it sounds like the government's nationalizing all of this, which I do not I mean, support I mean, for a number of reasons. So uh, the only reason I'm saying all of this is to dispel the, the argument of pragmatism, that I wouldn't advocate for any seizure of property until I felt as though we had the data necessary to arrive at the conclusion that it would be effective and good. What you're talking about now is the moral argument. The seizure of property is, is an immoral thing. Now, you can alleviate that with policies like what I described earlier. You can alleviate that by saying stuff like only new businesses. You can alleviate that by saying partial democratization. You can alleviate that with huge payouts to corporations say hey here's your golden parachute take 10 million go it belongs to the workers now there are there are a million ways that you can alleviate these problems i'm open to them but on a fundamental level i believe our current system of private property ownership is immoral so i don't care that much i think that so, this is a logistical problem to overcome i don't think that the seizure of property in this respect is itself a fundamental wrong and I guess the thing is that you want to have the state at some point to do some kind of experimentation that goes beyond tax credits and things like that. You want to have a much more hands-on sort of uh, experimentation to get the data that you need. All right. And well, to like, me, wait, wait, I like what? find that. Yeah. Like uh, taking, for example, you wouldn't just start by taking all the, all the co-ops, right? You take some of them, right? You take some amount of them. Right. I think there's enough. I think there's enough room for further enterprise in this country that we could rely on non-seizure methods, at least for the short term, uh, at least to develop. Then, gosh, if you don't, if you are saying basically, I abandon the idea of seizing the property, then I guess no, I don't no, have no, any no. Down, down the line, the government should absolutely again <laughs> wage slavery. As far as I'm concerned, follows in the same ideological trend of traditional slavery. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I have to be clear about this: not as bad, not even close, but fundamentally, it relies on a power imbalance in order to extol wealth value from the workers who contribute their labor. I don't like I, that. I, I, I cannot imagine calling power imbalance a kind of slavery, but you know, well, let's you've get heard the term wage that. slavery, right? Yeah, to call that slavery again, it is, you know, we're going to go down the coercion road here, but I just it, don't it, understand. We're absolutely going to go understand. down the coercion road. Yeah. I don't understand the need to again continually use this kind of language. But let's well, the term is, the, the term wage slavery has been around point. for like, wait, how long has the yeah, term wage and, slavery? And it's 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 a ridiculous point. And it, well, to, no, to, there's to actually a lot of really salient well, underlying yeah, comparisons. The problem that you get with people well, espousing like well, wage I was slavery. I going to ask Bastiat a question quick. Why do you find the term wage slavery? But to tick you off so much, what, what's wrong with the term, Bastia? I mean, because we're talking about consensual arrangements between adults, all right? And to call that slavery by default, to say any kind of employment is a form of wage slavery. I mean, even if I conceded to your point, Vosh, that at least some forms of them might be coercive. I mean, you're defining all wage employment, all wage labor as wage slavery. And I gotta say, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Well, the Especially goal of the term wage slavery. When we've seen when we've seen situations where we've seen our economies that have managed to raise wages, improve living standards, I mean, to say that these people are still fundamentally enslaved, it wait, seems wait, wait, like wait, a, wait, wait, oh be God. careful with be careful with that because even if you give a real slave a gilded palace, they would still be a slave. Raising the standard of living has no impact whatsoever on whether or not something is or is not slavery. Freedom is the key here. The term wage yeah. slavery has been around apparently since 1836. I didn't realize it was, I, I assumed that it was newer than that, but the reason why that comparison arises is because if you look at things in a very fundamental level, not with regards to a person's characterization as property, but just on a very fundamental level, the, the premise of being a slave is you work, you die. Very fundamental. It's reductive even. And likewise, if you were a textile worker in 17, or sorry, 1872 in London, the premise for you, likewise, is that you work or you die. There are differences, of course, obviously, which is why, and if anyone ever compared wage slavery to slavery in like the severity of these systems of economics, then I would, I mean, I would scold them for that. That's why ridiculous. would you use the word slavery then, if you're not trying to implicitly draw the comparison? Because the comparison should be drawn to indicate that there is a coercive element, but I, you won't agree with that because your definition of coercion defies my comprehension. That's the reason why. Also, it's meant to be, um, what's the term? What's the term when you, when you say something and it's tried to you provoke a reaction? It's um.
I mean, no. to use provocative language that you concede is inaccurate. I, I mean, no, wait, wait, hold, wait, wait, hold, wait, hold on. That doesn't make it inaccurate. You're saying okay? on the one hand, don't I would never compare it to slavery, and yet I am I trying say, to use provocative Bast language Bast to raise the I am, slavery. I'm again asking if you're actually listening to me. I didn't say it's not compared to slavery. I'm saying that it isn't comparable to slavery in its severity. I said that very clearly yeah. twice. Now, so then you could say something like wage coercion or compulsion, but to say sure. slavery, I mean, why would you use the term unless you're trying to draw a comparison with slavery? You are trying to draw a comparison. Yeah, I'm saying the comparison shouldn't be drawn in the severity, that they're not as bad. The comparison is that in both cases, freedom is being taken from these people because they have to work or they die. Now, nowadays, the term is a little bit more muddled because we have welfare states. A person doesn't have to work or they die. You cannot work and just live like a shitty existence, I guess, in America, at least, because we don't have that. But back when the what term wage slave- socialism about huh? this situation? What would change under socialism about the situation? You'd a, still have to work to well, acquire resources. Great, if you had a welfare state, I suppose, I mean, you know, you might be able to avoid that, but you've got the same situation. It's just that now you've uh, you've got a vote in a, your workplace that you still have to work at to acquire resources so to live. A great many things. And I don't know how you can believe that the presence of a vote isn't a significant difference unless you see no fundamental difference between a monarchy and a democracy. I think a vote's actually quite key. But the term wage slave was, I'm reading this now, was invented by label, labor organizers, the, the Lowell Mill Girls from 1836. The reason mm -hmm. they coined that term was because they were trying to persuade wage workers, not slaves, that really they shouldn't look as look at themselves as being better than the slaves because this is a problem we have you know middle class workers will think oh god thank god i'm not working at mcdonald's and then yeah. wealthy people will think oh thank god i'm not working as a teacher what they were trying to say was hey you may think haughtily of yourself factory workers because you're not slaves you're really no different you're the same type of cog in the same type of system one rung up so what we should really do is not find a way to keep you a rung up we should find a way to dismantle the system altogether. So that's the origin of the term. I don't know what you would call the the the, the verbiage, provocative or in, insightful, not or incendiary, maybe. I don't know. But it was meant to bring about an emotional reaction. The term has survived for two hundred years, so clearly it has some holding power in our minds. Yeah, a lot of a lot of as the right wing proves very often, a lot of inaccurate, ridiculous terms and concepts pers you know, persist because they're rhetorically effective. Doesn't mean they're in any way accurate. Well, I don't think. Um, wait, I don't think that. I don't I think you can I, say a term like wage slave is inaccurate. It's not making empirical yeah, claims it, about it. It's, it's look. I mean, again, if you think it's possible to use the word slavery, right, but not actually imply that you were talking about slavery. Colloquially, I mean, we use the term slavery to refer to lots of things that aren't chattel yeah, slavery. You can say like you're a slave to your we're often wrong. I mean, to say, yeah, sure, but you would never use that to then say, hey, look, it's wage slavery, right? Because of this colloquialism, therefore, well, it is absolutely no, wait, appropriate. This is, wait, hold on. Property, this isn't, right? hold on, wait, 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 hold on. You're mixing a lot of things. This isn't how language works, okay? So colloquially, words are what they are. People can say you're a slave to your work. That's not wrong. I mean, you're not literally a slave, but correctness by technicality isn't how linguistics work. If a term serves a rhetorical function that is being used appropriately, or at least it can be used appropriately in that sense. If a person says X or Y is a wage slave, they're trying to call negative attention to the state or the condition of their employment, which I think is fine. I don't think well of the economy as it exists, so calling negative attention and, to it is... Hey, look, if you want to call negative attention to it, that's fine, but at the end of the day, to draw the comparison between wage labor made by consent, by parties who are consenting to transaction, to draw the comparison between that and slavery, uh, particularly the chattel slavery of the time, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I think, think it's it really... Makes sense. I mean, again, we're not and, saying and we're the same. And that kind of language to therefore back up the idea that Hey, look, at some point down the line, right? At some point down the line, hey, look, this private property is unjust and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to take it. Well, we don't need the term wage Three slave to- Three minutes left. Okay, then I'll, then I'll make my final statement. We don't need the term wage slave to arrive at the conclusion that there are instances where the state seizing property is just. Whether people like to post hoc moralize it or not, people thought slaves were property. The government stepped in, the government said no, and we're all better for it. I do believe that that was ultimately justified because it was done in the service of freedom. Not that black people ended up having the, the best lives ever in America after slavery ended, but it was better than slavery, and it was only through the power of the state that that final change was able to be made, uh, in the way that it was at least. I don't think there's anything wrong with that process as long as you have a democratic consensus and the outcome you're arriving at is positive. I think there are a million ways you can make the changes that I want to make to the world, and I would never be so arrogant as to assume that I could make those changes without needing more ground, more time, more space, more data to develop the understanding of these issues that I would like to have. That's what I want for all of us. Not just me, not just socialists. I want all Americans, all people, to be 
more willing to explore alternatives to the systems they live in. That's what we did with gay marriage and weed, after all. You know, it gets legalized in one state or another, you get these little tastes, and then eventually, nationally, people become more amicable to it. We may even see a world where private property owners are themselves amicable to the idea of cooperative spreading, not because they personally would benefit from it, but because they start to believe themselves that there is a moral imperative in affording people democracy, even in an economic setting. That's the world that I want. I hope we can get there. And I think that among most of those points, Bastiat's going to be an ally of mine because apart from his perceived belief that I'm like a, a totalitarian wearing a, a, you know, a democratic cloak, I really do think that he is also interested in seeing what cooperatives can do and how well they can do for our economy and our people. And I would say that generally speaking, I suppose Vosh and I are in the political reality that exists today, uh, you know, generally speaking on the same side, um, you know, again, with the political reality that exists today, dealing with the fact that the Republican Party and the conservative movement, the MAGA movement, and increasingly a, a, a fascism type movement uh, is the real political threat to the economy, uh, to the country, to the people of the United States. So in that sense, sure, I agree with that. What I don't agree with. All right, is the idea that, uh, uh, that you can make those comparisons and that you can, especially if you can see that really the evidence isn't there, uh, make a coherent argument for socialism over capitalism. I can admit to a lot of warts under capitalism, and indeed I do. Typically what we spend our streams talking about are all the ways in which we'd like to improve the system, in which we'd like to do things like, I know you've talked about this recently, housing policy, right? You'd like to, you'd like to, uh, to make, uh, you know, to uh, change zone. I certainly love some good housing like policy. Right? Yeah, that would be a great thing. Yeah, right on. I, you know, I'm glad you said that, and you know, uh, and and uh, you know, I'm, I'm brought that up. But I get your point. Um, the uh, yeah, so you know, housing policy, all kinds of good things, right? But uh, you know, we've got evidence for these kinds of things. All the things we need to do in this country, right, to fix the problems we have in this country, right, to fix increases in the cost of healthcare and the cost of housing, right, and the cost of of education. We've seen examples in other countries where they've been able to do that, where they've been able to do that effectively, and where they've been able to do that without reshuffling society based on theories that have little to no empirical support to them. So instead of rolling the dice at this time, you know, we've learned some lessons. Uh, we're going to do some tests and eventually it's going to work. Why do that? Why settle for that when we can work on trying to make the world as it exists better using policies that we know will work rather than trying to, uh, to you know, I, I think, build a sort of uh, a society on the hope that it will eventually lead to some sort of uh, a utopia that can be implemented uh, uh, forcibly, but nevertheless democratically. And I will say this, Vosh, I don't think that you intend totalitarianism. I don't think that at all. I'm not trying to say you're secret tanky. What I am trying to say is that I think that a lot of the ideas that you promote, the idea that, for example, anything uh, or a lot of things can be justified so long as they are good and democratic, I think to me that makes very little room for the idea that there should be a space in this society for the individual, that the government uh, should not have uh, a massive sway over the individual, over society, right? That democracy itself should have limits in the Constitution, in our set of laws, right? So that the individual's rights uh, are fundamentally respected. And when you talk about democracy itself, democratizing and minimize the argument, uh, minimize the reality of, of, of how state power is ultimately coercive force, that to me uh, suggests that while you are not shooting for totalitarianism, that perhaps uh, 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 totalitarian arguments are easier to make on that, on that basis. So fundamentally, while I don't think your system has an empirical basis, and I don't think it makes a lot of sense, I will say uh, that I think it is a good thing that we at least both seem to agree that we want a, you know, want a broader uh, a welfare state in certain ways, we want global trade, all those good things. Uh, I just fundamentally, uh, it seems to me like, uh, you know, you're, you're basically liberal in that sense, rather than arguing for socialism, you're arguing for a deeper liberalism okay. that at some indeterminate minutes, we've gone two minutes over at, at, in, at some indeterminate point might someday become socialism. Okay. So, Oh, one second. I'm buffering. Oh boy. But uh -oh. we're getting sent. Oh, you know, why he's buffering because the judges are sending in the votes, uh -oh. sending them in. Who are the we judges? One. I'll stay shortly. We got two and oh. It's taking a while to type. I didn't need a paragraph. I needed a vote. And we got the last one. Okay. So we have the votes and they're in. It is a split decision. One vote for Bastiat from Danabo. 
one vote from my editor, Mr. Geek for Vosh. And the last vote is from celebrity guest judge Destiny for Vosh, <laughs> giving it two to one for Vosh, making Vosh the hippy dippy champion, Destiny being the tie breaking vote. Vosh is the inaugural hippy dippy champion. Congratulations. Well, uh, yeah, you, you know, uh, the, the I saw the twist coming the whole time, frankly. Um, wait, <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, um, I'll, I'll get an explanation on that one later. Bastiat, um, I seriously do appreciate the conversation. I disagree with you on a lot, but I found that I... This sounds so fucking pretentious, Jesus. I, I found that I have a much easier time formulating my arguments when I'm speaking with people like you, intelligent people with whom I disagree, than, um, well, conservatives. It's, it's just better. I, I, appreciate, uh, I appreciate that. It is good to know that you are gracious in victory, that I'm no longer a bad faith lunatic. I appreciate that. I will say this. All's fair um, in love and war. Uh, I will say this. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good exchange. Um, that being said, uh, I really do appreciate you hosting us here, Dylan, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and Vosh, I really, I really enjoyed that exchange. Um, I hope we can continue it sometime because, uh, yeah, I think what is interesting about talking to you is that I think uh, you do seem to want to create a better world, and you do seem to be interested in doing things like that rather than sort of, I, I suppose, building up politics of malice and jealousy which I seem to get from a lot of other folks on the left. So I appreciate that, and I hope we can talk again sometime. Thanks again for the discussion. And Dylan, thanks again for uh, having me on this inaugural Hippie Dippy Championship. So I want to say uh, thank you very much, Bastia. Where do you go from here? Uh, well, I think uh, you know, I'm going to have to uh, figure out how Destiny managed to rig that. Um, I think I'm going to be taking this to court. Um, and I think ultimately, yeah. it seems to me like uh, the votes were rigged. Uh, I don't know how you, I mean, did you count? I don't know if you counted the votes properly. Uh, I've heard actually a lot of people saying that Mr. Geek voted for Bastiat, but that the votes were tampered along the way. Um, I look forward to, to investigating all of this. Uh, until we can figure out how I actually won. Stop the, the steal. Right? Stop, the, Stop steal. the steal. 80 Thank million much. judges. Uh, I hate to do this, but I want to have a small interview with the winner. I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, and you and I will be removed by security. Right. Oh, shit. I love you. Thank you. To you Take care, Vosh. Take care, Dylan. So, Holy Vosh, you are the first hippie dippy champion. Yeah, what I hope you, you got a generous waistline on that belt right there. It is quite generous, hey, uh, very, cool. very, very generous. Um, so now that you're hippy dippy champion, and you're going to get this physical bet sent to you after it's COVID cleaned, mm -hmm. who are you looking at? Who would you want to go against next? Oh, for to defend this belt? Oh Jesus! I've been playing so many video games off stream lately. My mind is muddled. Whew, let me, let me think. You could challenge anyone. They'll surely anyone. see this. Can I challenge you? You challenge? Yeah, can I challenge I, I you? I, technically, yes. Okay. You know who I want to challenge? No, I know it. Who's I know that? it. Wait, can I wait? Can I say the smaller creator? Is that okay? I can do that, right? Yeah, you can challenge smaller creator. Sure. Want to talk? Have to make the way up still, but yeah. Want to talk to Soaked on Left? They emailed me recently, and uh, I think that'd be a fun conversation. I think I want to mm. talk to Soaked on Left. And what do you think of the surprising vote that Destiny voted for you over Bastia? Yeah, I don't know. It's um, <laughs> it's um, you know, it's that uh, it's that uh, long term. What do they say? New friends are silver, old friends are gold. I knew he'd come in for me. I I, I had a feeling all of it would line up at the last minute. In all uh, in all seriousness, you know, I appreciate the uh, the the incredibly important opportunity to wrap that thing around my waistline. I'm very happy that you did so. Can and I say something, by the way? Sure. Yeah, okay. So I want to say, by the way, this is entirely tangential, and um, I, I just want to say, um, I know that you've been roughing it lately, and I mean, I said this to you lately, or I said this to you prior to coming on, but um, uh, uh, all of the stream's monies today, um, I want to put it towards you for a, for a down payment to a new apartment. Um, because you are an incredible content creator and an incredible guy. And I think that though I am sparse in the details, what has happened to you has been enormously unfair. And I hope that you can get up and running again as soon as possible. 
Hey, I really appreciate that, uh, my guy. Uh, I, I've been talking to talking to local landlords, your favorite type of people, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's speeding along fastly. Uh, thankfully, I, I've you know with all the with COVID, all the students are gone, and I really appreciate that a whole ton. Uh, yeah, Bosch. of course, I really do, absolutely. And I hope things work out soon, though. Judging by your background, though, you're pretty comfy right now. I gotta say, it's looking pretty pretty tropical over there. The very it's the pineapple, you know, people have been talking about the pineapple a whole lot. Yeah, it looks know? good. I mean, why do you do coconuts when you had a perfectly good pineapple analogy right there? Honestly, yeah, that was my bad. Yeah. Wait, do pineapples grow on like desert islands? Um, I, I, you know what? I have no clue. This pineapple just showed up one day. Okay, yeah, cool. Awesome. I won't fault it. <laughs> You have a blessed day, Bosch, and thank you for coming on. And uh, I'm telling you, there's a long list of people who want to challenge you. Yeah, good. And I'm ready for it, okay? Just give me a week's notice so I can tell myself I'll do research and then not actually do it. Wonderful. Can't wait to. And who knows how we're going to choose the next challenger. It might be through a gauntlet. It might be through a 16-way tournament. Who knows? But one thing is for certain, that this isn't the, this isn't the last you've seen of Vosh in a ring to defend this title. He is the inaugural champion, the first in line. Let's see how long his reign will be. This will be arriving in your mail after you send me, uh, you know, the yeah, information yeah. where to send it. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, have a wonderful night. Thank you. You have a good night, okay? Have a good night. Be well.